Welcome to the Miami Valley Church Podcast. We're so excited that you are here with us. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you are going to hear today. We'd love to have you join us online Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at miamivalley.org. If you love the Miami Valley Church Podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Now go, love the valley right where you are. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hey, good morning. This is Pastor Jed, and welcome to Miami Valley Church. If this is your first time joining us today, we are a community of people who want to get the good news of Jesus Christ out to this valley and all over the world. But instead of doing it our way, we are asking God, how would you have us to love and share Jesus right where you place us? The first step in doing that is by trusting the Lord and doing good. As this valley and this world are desperately looking for hope, we want to point them to Jesus, not to make ourselves or even our church name famous, but to make Jesus known. That's who we are. That's what we are about. And we are so glad that you are here joining us today. I hope you grab your Bible or your mobile device and you have a chance to turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to be and it's important that you have a Bible open in front of you. So today as we continue in our series, Make Jesus Known, we've finished the books of the Old Testament and we've seen Jesus in every book of the Old Testament and now we move to the New Testament. And as we move to the New Testament, I hope that you're experiencing inside of you a growing desire to know more. When our girls were little, as we're moving towards Thanksgiving, and as our girls were little, we uh, traveled a lot to see grandparents, and it was a long trip, somewhere between a 10 and a half to a 12 hour drive. And as you can imagine, traveling with little ones, you try to find every secret in the book to try to make the ride just a little bit smoother. You leave in the middle of the night so that they sleep for half the way. And when that doesn't work, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Because you get tired maybe of hearing, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Uh, can I have another snack? Well, as our girls continued to grow, but they were still little, we came across this series of, yeah, we're old, cassette tapes that we would play in the van every time we traveled. And there were this fascinating story called Adventures in Odyssey. It was a story about this fictional town called Odyssey and a man named Mr. Whitaker who had created this place called Wit's End. And these stories sucked our girls into a new world. It captivated their attention. And never once as we played these stories did we ever hear, uh, are we there yet? Never once did we hear, can I have another snack? Never once did we hear, uh, I need to stop to go to the restroom. The only thing we ever heard was, can we hear another one? Can we hear another one? Because that's what amazing stories do. And that's what happened to those disciples that first Easter morning as Jesus opened up the scriptures and explained everything about himself in Moses and the prophets. It says our hearts began to burn within us. And my prayer has been during this series that your hearts will begin to burn. But the only thing as you hear the story of Jesus is, tell me more, tell me more. More, tell me more. As we open up the pages of the New Testament, that's what the people are longing for. They want to know more. They've been relying on thousands of years of prophecies that there was going to be a Messiah, a rescuer, a deliverer, that God himself was going to send. They've been waiting with anticipation. From the time the last word of the last prophet Malachi is written until the, until the time our New Testament opens, the intertestamental period, there's 400 years of silence and people are growing. We want to know more. We want to know more. When is Jesus 
going to come. And so today, we open up the New Testament, and I want to look at five books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are referred to as the Gospels, and the book of Acts. And I include the book of Acts because Acts really goes with the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke's second volume. And these are the stories of Jesus. Maybe I would say um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Jesus part one. Uh, Acts is Jesus part two. It's just the story of Jesus. And I want to show you from Acts chapter 10, how we can summarize the Gospels and the book of Acts and what God did. But as I use the word gospel, I want, you to, I want you to start to think about this. Gospel isn't how I can be saved too. The phrase gospel simply means that Jesus Christ is the Messiah sent from God who lived a life of perfection, died a death on a cross, and on the third day rose again, and he is the Lord of the entire world. That's the gospel. Jesus came preaching, the time has come, the kingdom of God has drawn near, repent and believe the good news. We believe the gospel. That's the gospel, that Jesus is the answer to everything that we have. So as we go into uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, I want you to find Acts chapter 10, and I want you to look, first of all, for verse like 34. Acts 10, starting in verse 34. But before we get there, verses 1 through 33 of Acts chapter 10, this is the moment we've been waiting for. This is the anticipation. Uh, Jesus had said, uh, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Uh, Jerusalem has happened in Acts chapter 2 as the Holy Spirit fell on the church of Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8, we see that the gospel spreads to Samaria, and the Holy Spirit falls on Samaria. And here in Acts chapter 10, we see that the gospel falls to the ends of the earth. Yes, we're in Caesarea. I know that's not the ends of the earth, but this is the point in time where we begin to understand that the gospel is available for everyone. So there's this man named Cornelius, and he's a, a Roman officer in the Roman army, and he has this uh, interaction with God. And God says, hey, there's a man down in Joppa, his name's Simon Peter, send some of your men to go get him. And so he did, not knowing what to expect. At the same time, Simon Peter's in Joppa living at the house of another man named Simon, who's a, a leather worker. And uh, he's up on a housetop praying, and, and he has a vision that, that some people are going to come for him. And it's an incredibly strange vision. It involves a sheet and some animals and all of these kind of things. And we'll get back to that at the end of the teaching. But I just want you to see that this divine appointment um, Cornelius sends for, for Peter, and Peter arrives at his house, and you look at Acts chapter 10, verse 33, and he says, uh, this is why we sent for you. We're waiting to hear the message that God has put on your heart. And so Acts 10, 34 through 43 is that message, and I just want to read it to you. So I hope you have your Bibles. I just want to take God's word. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today, Acts chapter 10, verses four, uh, 34 through 43. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news, the gospel for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear not to the general public, us who had been chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the is the one appointed by God to judge, to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. This is the picture of the gospel. This is the summary of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the book of Acts about what God did through Jesus. We can look at the 
Gospels, and it's easy to find Jesus because his, his name appears there. In fact, as you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's interesting. It's about 89 chapters, and 29 chapters of those uh, Gospel books, uh, those four books, deal with the last week of Jesus' life. About a third of the materials devoted to the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, but what do they say to us in totality? And so I want to look at seven things from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. I want to show you seven things that summarize the Gospel for us in its simplicity and in its power, and it's about what God did. First of all, I want you to see uh, from verse 36 of Acts chapter 10 that God sent Jesus with the message of peace. God sent Jesus with the message of peace. Maybe the most famous verse in all the Bibles, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But the next verse, John three seventeen, says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him uh, the world might be saved. Jesus came, God sent Jesus with the message of peace. Look at verse 36. This is the message of the good news, the gospel for all the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now notice, as the gospels open up, the people are waiting for the Messiah who's going to be the one who will rescue them, the one who will redeem them, the one who's gonna be greater than Moses. They're waiting, but they are anticipating a a political deliverer. They're anticipating a, a a person who will come to lead the armed revolt against Rome and, and, and sweep across with great political revolution. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus came to be the messenger of God's peace, how we can have peace with God through Jesus and Jesus alone. Think about this, when Jesus is born, angels appear in the sky and they sing and they proclaim, glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace to those who find favor with God peace to those. Before Jesus is going to go to the cross, he he moves towards Jerusalem. He gets close to Jerusalem and he begins to weep. And he says this, if you had only known what would bring you peace, but you don't. He came with the message of peace. As Jesus rises from the dead um, on that first Easter Sunday and he's he's walked with the disciples uh, back to Emmaus and now the, the main disciples are in Jerusalem in the upper room and they hadn't seen Jesus yet. And all of a sudden Jesus appears, John chapter 20, and Jesus says, peace be with you. And John makes the point of Two verses later, saying it again, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Uh, At his birth, during his ministry, and after his resurrection, Jesus is the one with the message of peace. Look at verse 36 again. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peace with God. Jesus came so that we could have peace with God. How do we find peace with God? By accepting the message, Jesus came. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. By confessing our sin and believing that Jesus lived a life of perfection, died a death on a cross, and rose from the dead, then we can have peace with God. The first part of the message of the Gospels is that God sent Jesus with the message of peace. In fact, his name Jesus, it means salvation, and that's what brings us peace, the salvation of our soul that brings peace. The second thing about the Gospels in the book of Acts that I want you to see about what God did is that God anointed Jesus. Look at verse 38, the first part of verse 38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He anointed him. It's the word Messiah. It's the one with oil dripping down their head. We've seen this in the Old Testament as as God anointed kings and and would send prophets to anoint kings and would actually pour oil and the oil drips down their heads and down their face. It's the picture of God's chosen one, his anointed one. And it says this, he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was the one with power. He was the one with the presence. Jesus in the first sermon that he preached in his hometown recorded in Luke chapter four, it says they handed him the scroll and he unrolls it in Isaiah, what we call Isaiah chapter 6. 
61, and he, he reads these words, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news. There's the gospel again. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is the one that God anointed to be his messenger with peace and his messenger of the good news of how we can have life and have it to the full. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So we first see that God sent Jesus as the messenger with the message of peace, that God anointed Jesus. By the way, when you read the word Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ isn't you know his last name. Christ is the Greek translation of uh, Messiah, the anointed one. Every time we see Jesus Christ, he's the he's the messenger of salvation and peace. He's the he's the Messiah. He's the anointed one, and he's the Lord of all. So so he sends Jesus with the message of peace. He he anointed Jesus. The third thing I want you to see from the last half of verse thirty eight is that God was with Jesus. Now those of us who've been following along in the scriptures, we've seen Jesus in every book. This one excites us. For those who uh, Peter is preaching to to Cornelius, they're not going to understand. But when you understand the scriptures, this is one of the things that you zero in on that God was with him. Chapter. Uh, Acts 10, 38, the last half, that Jesus went around doing good. By the way, that's our verse for the decade. Trust God, trust the Lord, and do good. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Here's the phrase, for God was with him. God was with him. As we move through the scriptures, we begin to see that that's the picture of how you recognize God's rescuer and God's deliverer, that God himself was with him. Think about Moses. Moses uh, sees God in the burning bush and God says, hey, go to Pharaoh. And Moses says, who am I that, that I should lead? And God simply answered, Exodus 3, verse uh, 12, God answered, I will be with you. Think about Moses. Think about Joshua, who's not, who's, Moses isn't going to be allowed to lead the people into the land of freedom. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Joshua. And God said this to Joshua, Joshua 1, 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God with us. Think about the period of the judges, that God is greater than all of the, the judges. Uh, think about Gideon, Gideon, who, who doesn't feel qualified. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. But, uh, Judges 6.15, but Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? Verse 16 of uh, Judges chapter six, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. God was with him, Jesus. And then even uh, King Saul, who ended up not being a great king, he was the first king of the United Kingdom and he wasn't that great of a king at his at his. Um, uh, coronation when when the prophet anointed him and proclaimed him the king at his anointing for Samuel ten seven uh, this prophet simply said God is with you over and over again the fact that God is with you is a picture of the one that God sends In John chapter ten verse thirty eight Jesus said this then you will know and understand that the Father is in me the Father is with me and I am in and with the Father there it is God was with him so we see God sent Jesus as the messenger of peace um, God uh, anointed. Uh, Jesus. God was with Jesus. And then the fourth thing from Acts chapter 10 that we see in verse 40, this is the one that most of us know. Acts chapter 10 verse 40 says, but God raised him to life on the third day. The story of the gospels and, and some of the stories are longer and some of the stories are shorter, but they all have the same climactic ending that Jesus rose from the dead. That Jesus is the one that God raised from the dead. Verse 40, uh, God raised him to life on the third day. My friend, that is the foundation of what we believe, that God raised Jesus from the dead. In fact, later on in the book. We're going to be looking at this book later. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. If Jesus hasn't been raised, 
then everything we believe is useless. But but the scriptures saying the gospels show us that God raised him from the dead. So we see God sent Jesus as the messenger of peace. God anointed him. God was with Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. And now all of a sudden, the gospel's message switches just a little bit because now it becomes about you and me. The gospels answer the question, who is Jesus and what was his mission? And the gospels also answer the questions, who are we and what is our mission? And so look at this. The fifth thing I want you to see from verse 41 is that God chose us as, here's the word, witnesses. Verse, the end of verse 40 says, then God allowed Jesus to appear, verse 41, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. Friends, after all, that's why we're here in the first place, to be his witnesses. All five books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, include what we call a commission. The greatest ones are known from Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1, but in Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, and in John chapter 20, there's also a commission that Jesus gives us to go and make disciples. The, the commission in Matthew chapter 28 says, all authority has been given to me. Now go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Go, make disciples. It's the great commission. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. There's that word uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Do you see that Jesus even explains the strategy? It starts in our hearts as he changes us from the inside out. It moves to our homes as we make the, the message of Jesus and make disciples in our own homes. And it starts in our city, then it moves to our valley, then it moves to our region, then it moves to the world. God has chose us as witnesses. My friends, are you a witness that's why we're here in the first place. So the gospel message is this, that God sent Jesus with the message of peace. God anointed Jesus. Uh, God was with Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day, and God chose us to be his witnesses. There's a whole series of doctrine out there about what it means for God to choose you. And most of the time you enter that debate, this doesn't come up. But I would simply say that if God chose you, he chose you to be his witness, and that's very important, which leads us to the sixth thing that happens in Acts chapter 10, verse 42. The first part of verse 42, God told us, he ordered us to preach and to share his word. Chapter four, chapter 10, verse 42a, and, Jesus, and God ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify about Jesus. Check that out. God ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify about Jesus. I understand that one of the ways we testify is about the, by the way we live our lives. But as we live our lives doing good, we need to be ready to tell people. We need to be ready to speak. We need to be able to share the gospel. And here uh, in Acts chapter 10, you find a very sim simple a message of the gospel that, that God sent Jesus with the message of priest. God anointed Jesus to be the Messiah. God was with Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. God chose us to be his witnesses, and God orders us, he commands us uh, to preach and to share the word of God. I want you to look very quickly at Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Mark 3, 13 through 15. As Jesus was picking those that he wanted to be his disciples, it says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to himself those he wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 so that they might be with him and so that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. My friends, there's what happens when God... Uh, chooses us to be his witnesses, and he calls us and orders us to go out and preach. It starts with this. We need to let Jesus disciple us. We need to be with him. We need to spend time with him. And any time we spend time with him, uh, this is what happens. Um, when you spend time with Jesus, you make time to share Jesus. 
plain and simple. When you spend time with Jesus, you will make time to share Jesus, to speak about what he, who he is and what he's done in your life uh, so that they might be with him. That's discipleship. And I just want to say a word to each and every one of you. Wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, and even if you don't consider yourself Christian right now, you are being discipled by someone or something. And one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor in America, and I I bear part of the responsibility because I'm a pastor, but one of the things that breaks my heart in America, and you see it especially in a, in a, a contentious political season, so many American Christians are being discipled more by the, their, their chosen political party and their chosen cable news network than they are by the word of God and by Jesus himself. My friends, when discipleship happens, there are some things that need to be discipled out of us because they don't belong in us. And one of those things that needs to be discipled out of us is that we rely on anyone more or put our hope in more than anyone than Jesus and the kind of Messiah and rescuer and deliverer he came to be. The people that opened up the New Testament, they wanted him to be a political rescuer, a political deliverer, and lead an armed revolt against the government of Rome. And Jesus said, no, that's not who I came to be. I came to bring a message of peace. There's some things that are in us that need to be discipled out of us because they don't belong in us. But there are some things that need to be discipled into us that aren't there yet, and they do belong inside of us. And that's how we love God, and that's how we love one another. That's how we're supposed to uh, love and share Jesus with this valley, and we need to be involved. It starts by spending time with Jesus. And when we spend time with Jesus, look at that. It says then the next stage of discipleship is he sent them out to do two things, to speak his word and to do his work, to speak his word and to do his work. My friend, do you really want the revolution of Jesus to break out in your heart, in your home, in your neighborhood, in our city, in our valley, and across the world. It starts by spending time with Jesus, because let me say it again, anytime you spend time with Jesus, you will make time to share Jesus with somebody else, and that's how this works. One of my favorite verses in scriptures from Philemon chapter one, verse six, only one chapter in Philemon, it says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. My friends, we are put here to preach, we're ordered to preach and share his word. So so, uh, one, here's the gospel that, God sent Jesus with the message of peace. Two, God anointed Jesus as the Messiah, uh, the Savior of the world. Uh, three, God was with Jesus. God Four, God raised him from the dead. Uh, fifth, uh, God uh, chose us as his witnesses. Sixth, God orders us to preach uh, and share his message. And then seventh, Acts chapter 10, the end of verse 42 says this, that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. God ordained Jesus to be the judge of all. We don't like to think about that when it comes to the life and ministry of Jesus. We don't like to think about that when it comes to the message of the Gospels. We just don't like to think about it. How, how come? Because we'd rather have a Christmas and the little baby infant Jesus and the songs from the highest heavens and peace on earth. But we don't want to deal with Matthew chapter 25 when, as Jesus is telling the story, that when the Son of Man comes back in the valley of decision, remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, the valley of decision that Jesus is going to be sitting on the throne and he's going to separate those who know him from those who don't, uh, the sheep on one side, the goats on the other. And he's just going to say, oh, you did or did not do things when you saw me hungry, when you saw me thirsty, when you saw me naked, uh, 
When you saw me with uh, in prison, did you, did you feed me? Did you clothe me? Did you give me something to drink? Did you visit me in prison? And we're going to say, when did we do that? We didn't ever see you that way. And he's going to say, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. He's going to be the judge of all. My friends, what he's going to judge is he's going to judge what you decided about him. Do you believe that God sent him with the message of peace? Do you believe that God anointed him? Do you believe that God was with him? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe that God uh, has sent you now as witnesses? Uh, do you believe that God has ordered you to preach? And do you believe that God has made Jesus the judge of all? There's the gospel. That's the summary of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. Those seven things right here in Acts chapter 10. I hope you'll dig into them through the week. But look at verse 43 of Acts chapter 10. Here's the summary of Peter's message. Jesus is the one all of the prophets testified about. We've been looking at that for the last seven, six weeks. Jesus is the one all the prophets testified about saying this. Everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Some of the times we wonder why certain things about Jesus' life are in the Bible and aren't in the Bible. I know this is specific to the book of John, the Gospel of John, but I think it applies to the stories that we have about Jesus. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 say this, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and so that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. That's why we have the gospel, so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we might have life in his name. Well, then what's required of us? I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 2. We'll look at this later in this series. You, here's the application. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You read the gospels, you need to have the same attitude Jesus had, who though he was God did not think of equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's the gospel, and that's our responsibility. We should bow our knee and declare that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord of all, to the glory of God the Father. That's the challenge for to start in our heart, to move to our home, to go to our city, to go to our uh, valley, and to the ends of the earth. My friends, when we read the Gospels in the book of Acts, I come away with a very clear conviction as this, that the biggest challenge for the church in following Jesus is not lack of direction, it's lack of desire. We have very clear direction. Our God is ascending God, and he chose us to be his witnesses. He ordered us to preach his message, to do his work, and to speak his word, and we don't need anything else. Our God is ascending God, and he has sent us to go to the ends of the earth, promising that he will be with us very quickly, my friends. And we've got some folks in our church that can tell you better than I do. Pastor Brian Underwood, Pastor Chris Carpenter could, could go into more detail about this. But the uh, world population of 7.5 billion, about 3.23 billion of those people are unreached, meaning about 41.6% of the population is unreached. We still have work to do. But the work, my friends, starts in our heart. Have you received the peace that Jesus offered by beginning a relationship through faith and trust in Jesus. Do you believe one last time that God sent Jesus with the message of peace, that God anointed him, that God was with him, that God raised him from the dead, and now that God has chosen you to be a witness, God has ordered that you preach and preach his word and do his work. Why? Because Jesus is returning the next time to be the judge of the world. That's the gospel, and that's Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And Acts. Father, I come in front of you right now. 
We do not need more direction. We need more desire. Father, may your spirit so speak to us that we would see the vision of Jesus for who he really is, that we would hear his voice saying, as the Father sent me, so send I you, and that we would make the venture to go to the ends of the earth, starting in our own homes, our own neighborhoods, our own city, our own valley, and love and share Jesus in the way you would have us. Help us trust the Lord and do good and make Jesus known. In his name we pray, amen. You don't owe me anything
heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, and now what are you going to do with it? If we rush past this moment, we've missed the whole purpose. We've missed the mark. Whether this is your first time joining us today or your hundredth time joining us, I want to give you the opportunity, if you've never said yes to Jesus, to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and be Lord over your life. Friends, it's as easy as saying the simple prayer, would you join me? God, I believe that you have created me. I believe that I am a sinner and I believe that you sent Jesus Christ, your son, to this earth to die for my sins. Today, I invite you into my heart to be Lord over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you just prayed that prayer today, would you let me know so I can be praying with you and for you as we go on this journey together. That is the good news that we get to go out and share with this valley and with this world. So let's go. Friends, go tell someone today what Jesus has done for you as we make him.